Hi everybody, Mark Queen again, founder of CoreScore. Excited to continue our series that we've been covering recently of being stuck. And over the past, the past couple of weeks, we've been discussing different areas of our life that we can get stuck in. And today, we have a very practical place that a lot of people get stuck. So we're gonna discuss and fill a few questions from our listeners about getting stuck in our faith. And I think a very apropos analogy here is, I've used the gearbox scenario before, uh, and I think it applies very much so to our faith. So I'm going to kind of equivalent get you getting stuck in our faith in that same regard. So uh, first of all, faith is something that we have the ability to move forward in. It, we're not called when we receive a faith that we're not done. So the major faiths of the world really uh, have in common that um, there's a change. There's a way of life that's different than from what you've had before. And so that significant change that you're called to have inside of your faith, I'm going to speak mostly today about Christianity, but when you've had that call, then it means that you're going to live in a different way. That means that you've got to shift gears, that there's a new destination that you're moving forward to. So I think, first of all, that inside of the faith, that we've got to lay down the tenet that we are to move forward. We're to move away from what we were, and we're to move towards something. And that's this path of faith, if you will, that we take. So if we can agree to that, that we're going to move forward, and nobody started their, their faith walk in the status of perfectness, that we're going to be moving forward at all the times. So if that's the case, then it makes sense to me that you can get stuck in your faith, that there will be times during your life that it's going to seem like your gearbox has went into neutral. That no matter how hard you might push on the accelerator pedal, no matter how you might rev up the engine, that none of that energy is actually being converted into forward movement. So the gearbox would do that. Another analogy for being stuck in your faith would be that actually your gearbox is engaged and that your engine is started and you've got torque going to the transmission box and the fact is that your wheels are spinning. You're being stuck at the same time and not able to make it forward. Well, the key is we've got to go back and remember, first of all, that whenever we're stuck, it's not our faith that is stuck. It's us. So we've got to be able to identify for ourselves that we need to define what is the forward motion that I'm trying to accomplish this year. And I think for a lot of people, they may not actually have goals that they hope to achieve in their life, let alone in the year that's to come. Uh, how many of you that are listening today have actually had a New Year's resolution, a way that you were gonna change your life starting the new year, and the resolution actually included your faith, that you were gonna attend your congregational place of worship more often? They were going to pray or meditate or do something more often, that you were going to be in the scriptures. So I think it's pretty easy for some of the people that are listening today to realize that if you don't have a vision of what it is for you to be moving forward in your faith, then it's pretty easy to see that you're probably already stuck. We've got to see that we actually, there is some progress by which we can plan. Now, I think it's fair to realize that in your faith, even though you might have a way to engage in your faith and a plan to move forward in it, 
that you may not realize what the real results of moving forward in your faith like that might be. But the fact is, every time in my life when I've had something that I want to accomplish, a goal that I was going to focus on in my faith, that taking that journey of making that attempt to have a focus has always wound up taking me to a more positive place than I was before, and it actually helped me develop my faith. So the first thing that I want to do for encouraging somebody to get unstuck in faith is to identify, are you moving forward in your faith? And how would you know if you're moving forward? For some, that might be reading scripture. Some, it might be attending worship on a more regular basis. Some people attend worship on a regular basis, and their excuse on any particular worship day, if they have a traditional day, is that if they travel, they don't worship when they travel. Well, I would ask, why not? Why are you stuck in the fact that you worship as long as you can go to your place of worship when in most communities, I think you can find a place of worship? How do you know that another place of worship isn't more welcoming or can't give you ideas of how you may be able to connect better with people at your worship center? So, Getting stuck in our faith, first of all, starts with, do you have a plan to move forward to deepen your faith? Number two, if you actually have objectives that you are doing and trying to move forward, then we ought to be able to tell by the markers that we would occasionally look at to see if we're making progress in our faith to see if we're doing them. I actually have some practical experience. I have a client right now that I'm coaching that this is one of the objectives that they actually have is actually to be in worship more often than they used to be. Well, more often isn't a very good goal. It's not quantifiable. It's tough for me to coach that individual and help them move forward. So we advance the conversation to say, what does more often mean? And more often means that we no longer wait until we go home as a college student. We don't wait to go home to have worship. We're actually willing to engage in a different worship center in their college town and if they're not willing to get out because of weather or whatever reason, that we know that there are plenty of worship centers for this person's faith that they can connect with online. So although they may not be able to connect with other worshipers, they can certainly listen to the message that might have been delivered in that worship service at that time. So what does it mean? It means for that individual that that person is committed to being in worship at least twice a month. And he was able to define what that means. And prior to establishing that, ob that object for himself, that goal to acquire, that basically he was willing to be stuck in his faith and only going when he made it back home. So that's the first thing that I would say. The two things are, number one, make sure that you have objectives. And then number two, once you have those objectives, you've got to monitor them. You've got to pay attention and actually keep track. Remember, what you measure changes. We don't measure something without really changing it. That's the whole purpose of measuring. When you're building something, if we go out to build a doghouse today for a pet to be in the backyard, then somebody comes up with some plans and there's a two by four to be cut. Well, why do we measure that two by four? It's so that we actually cut the two by four appropriately to put the lumber together to actually come up with this construct. So measuring changes things because it leads us to the eventual doghouse, if you will, that we're trying to assemble. So I want to move on. We've got a question here from a listener that reads as follows. Mark, it seems that whenever I'm stuck in my faith, all of my friends are really doing well. 
How can we better help each other? Well, that's a great question. And my favorite answer whenever the church isn't working together is to remember that uh, there's a verse in the Bible uh, that talks about how iron sharpens iron. It's not iron sharpens itself. It's not that God doesn't have the possibility to sharpen iron because he can do whatever he wants. But the key is, if I have friends that I'm already in a relationship with, then the Bible is telling us and instructing us that actually we do have the capability to sharpen one another. So I would question the listeners. In your world, the people that you're hanging around with in your faith, is there actually an intent to sharpen one another? And not to say the word merely, but are you worshiping together and that's the extent of your relationship? I'm sure God appreciates your worship, but if you're stuck with your partners, then I would doubt that there's really missing an intent to sharpen one another. What might that look like, someone might ask. I could say that uh, I've been involved in many small groups in my life. I've been involved in uh, church school classes that are simply small groups that meet on Sunday when we worship. I've been involved in men's groups where we have studied topics inside of our faith and we've used outside resources outside of the Bible. We've used collaborative books and videos as a way to challenge ourselves about our perceptions. Uh, not only have we done men's studies, but I've been part of couples studies to help people grow forward. There are so many small group opportunities where the purpose to me of being in a small group is to build the relationships. And a part of building those relationships that seems to have value to one another is for us to be able to sharpen one another. Not only to be able to count on others in our time of need, but for us to be able to sharpen and help people grow in our faith. So when everybody is doing well, I would actually say if you're struggling in your faith and your friends are doing well, then the fact is your pot of people aren't really focused on sharpening one another. If they were focused on sharpening one another, the people that are feeling sharp and doing well at the time certainly ought to be reaching out to help those that are struggling at the moment. Getting their blades, if you will, less dull, helping them to sharpen, to be ready to cut and do the mission in life that they've been called to do. So that's what I would suggest to those that seem to be focused on struggling with their group and maybe not having an iron sharpens iron top of scenario. And maybe that's an area for you to look for. Another question that we have from our readers is, when your faith is being tested, how do you move past the hard times without losing faith? Well, let's go back to our, our gear, our gearbox. If we're engaged in moving forward, we know that we are going to have obstacles. Obstacles that are going to try to keep our progress from occurring. They're going to try to make us go a different route. Some obstacles are so in front of you that they seem so close that they're not overcomable. You can't see around, under, or over. You can't see around to the left or right just because you're so close. And that kind of goes to our mindset that we know that 
if we've got a growing mindset and that our future is bigger than our past, that an obstacle is simply something to get around. There's so many different ways that our brain doesn't let us see how to overcome those obstacles. I like to use the idea of an, of an airplane, that if you're in an airplane, you know you have a defined set of limits of what you can actually do to come through an obstacle. And a, a great obstacle when you're in an airplane is actually a thunderstorm. So if your life and your faith is this airplane and you're coming to an obstacle, which is a thunderstorm, some people would sit down and say that they have nothing that they can do but to wait and take the direct path and go directly through the thunderstorm and get tossed about. And actually, maybe even a dangerous way that actually threatens their very existence. But the fact is, you're in control of that airplane. So it's you that makes the decision whether or not you're going to fly straight through it. Another decision might be that maybe you should land the plane Maybe you shouldn't be flying at this time. Your airplane actually may not have the capability to fly high enough to go over that thunderstorm. Some people don't know that airplanes are limited to the top that they can fly to because when you get up so high in our altitude, there's not enough oxygen. And if the airplane isn't designed to create oxygen for you to breathe, then if you're the one flying the plane, you're probably gonna pass out and that's gonna result in a bad situation. So you may not be able to fly over this obstacle. You may not have enough fuel to fly to the east or west. So when you come to those obstacles when you're in the airplane, we realize that there are so many, many ways that we can treat handling of those obstacles when you come. They include landing. Maybe you need to take a time out and let the thunderstorm go by. Some people need to actually retreat. There's nothing wrong with failure. We can learn from failure. So if you've taken off and you're flying in a direction and there's a thunderstorm that's so huge that you can't get through it, maybe you just need to return to the airport that you took off from. That helps us understand how we get through the hard times. Number one, know that you always have choices. Never feel like you're stuck in fear. On the other side of fear, almost always, is freedom. So why not choose to be on the side of freedom right away? And that's our alarm going on in the background, which tells me I should move on to our next subject. And our next subject is to let you all know that our stuck series is coming to an end soon. We appreciate you being involved in the stuck series. We hope that it's been valuable to you. We hope to see questions from you more often in the future. As we think back on our stuck series, we remember that the majority of times that we are stuck, that it's not a victimhood attitude that will help us to get unstuck. It's not getting stuck, the purpose and way of the process that we get stuck is not all that important. What's important is for us to be able to regulate ourselves, to recognize when we're stuck, so that we might take corrective action and move around to the next thing that'll help us move us towards the objectives that we're trying to gain. So, remember this. You don't have to be stuck. There are people in your lives that can help you get unstuck. They can help you look at your situation and your perception in a different way. 
If you need some help and we at CoreScore can be of any help to you, please feel to reach out. And remember, as an individual, you don't have to do it by yourself. As an entrepreneur, that doesn't mean you have to do it alone either. There are people around you in your communities. We're here to help. Don't settle to be stuck. Move forward. And until we chat again at the same back time and same back channel today to go back in the past a little bit, I look forward to uh, you moving forward, hearing your stories, and seeing your questions. Until we meet again, signing off. This is Mark.